On another exciting episode of the Animation Deliberation Podcast, we're thwipping through the multiverse to talk about Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse right after these ads we have no control over. Sing along if you know the words. A one, two, three, it's time for Animation Deliberation. A conversation and a celebration of our favorite action animated series. Yeah! Yeah! Welcome back to another episode of Animation Deliberation, the podcast where we take action, animation, and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. We are your hosts. I am Zuhara Lee. I'm Jay Spidey St. Clair. <laughs> and I am Andrew Rogers. And joining us on this exciting episode is one of the co-hosts of the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, Papa Panda himself, Matthew Carroll. How you doing, bud? Man, I'm great. I'm really, really great. It's great to be here. Great to be here on the Animation Deliberation. Uh, you guys are just so much fun and so high energy and ready to tackle this stuff. <laughs> and this movie was fun. Let's talk about it. I still Woo-hoo! remember when this, when the first movie came out and when the Spider-Man video game came out, you would just talk every week on the cast about how you needed some loophole to do an episode about this stuff. <laughs> so I'm glad that you started a whole network so that you have mm-hmm. a whole show that is your loophole for these types of content. <laughs> yep, exactly, exactly. This, this was a grand scheme all along. This is the only reason the show was born was for this moment. Exactly. I really encouraged you guys to start an animation show just so when it came around time for the sequel, <laughs> I could hop on. That's, 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 that's all, it's all about a big con. Yeah. That's why he's Papa Panda. He plotted yeah. this all along. Yeah. <laughs> and like it's worth... Like of the stranded pandas. <laughs> yeah. It's worth mentioning that Across the Spider-Verse has a lot of synergy, the uniting of a lot of different universes and some crossover and whatnot. So it's worth mentioning this is a crossover between Animation Deliberation and the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. And Matthew and I uh, recorded a little 15-minute episode where we discussed uh, five possible connections with the MCU that we came across and across the Spider-Verse. So I encourage you to go check that one out as well. If you're listening to this first, but listen to us first. Yeah. 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 Cause obviously here, like you don't need to pause and go like, I mean like canonically that other one's first, but like, you know, whatever. (laughs) But you're already here. (laughs) You know, we have to keep the canon intact. I do appreciate (laughs) that. It's like the argument, like, do you watch the MCU movies in release order or timeline order? It's like, (laughs) just, just stick with where you are right now. <laughs> I'm an advocate for release order, but whatever floats your boat, whatever That's works. That's the only way to do it. Same. Yeah. Same. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, right. that being said, we got a lot to talk about. There was a lot going on in this movie, but before we hit it, does anybody have any quick spoiler-free thoughts that we want to get through? I defer to you gentlemen because I already had the opportunity to do an instant reaction with John Irons right out of the theater. So also want to plug that, check that out to hear from the man, the myth, the legend from Captain Game Show. So uh, I open up the floor to you all. What are your non-spoiler reactions and thoughts? Um, so I love this movie. It is really wonderful. Tons of surprises that I just did not expect um, I, I like I hoped and dreamed for, but did not fully expect. And I absolutely love that. Um, I think it maintains the high, high quality of the first one. I do find it a little slower than the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are some uh, the, it takes its time a little more. The first one, one of my things I love about it is how uh, just absolutely slapdash it is. And you just feel like chaos at all moments, like 
Miles does not know what he's doing in life or as Spider-Man and everything around him is just chaos all the time. And even like his mentors don't really know what they're doing. So it's just like, it's just this chaos, chaos, chaos. And like this one took its time and had moments of reflection that I think in the end will add to the tapestry of this series. But I did find them in the theater um, draining me a little bit. Like I, I found myself like hitting those, hitting the wall of those scenes where they're having rooftop conversations and being like, this is supposed to be super f- frenetic. Like, why are we not moving? Why? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I came in ready to be bounce around for two hours, but I think in, in, in the end, it's going to end up being a more mature trilogy because of it. But like, uh, I, I, I still, I, I've, I felt that was lacking, um, but I don't think it will be in the long run. You were on a caffeine high in a yoga studio. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think it's part of the problem is I didn't take my Adderall. So like uh, when it's, when it started doing things, I had to actually focus for a minute. I was like, Oh no, Oh no. I got to listen to people talk. I I was expecting this movie to be my Adderall. (laughs) The movie did take Adderall. Yeah. The movie actually focused up, but no, I, I think this was an incredible movie across the board. Like I, I went in with medium expectations. Like I was like, they can't strike lightning twice. And I think Mm. they did like it it was very much like, where does the story need to go from here? What can they do to make me care about it being a sequel? And instead, they made it one of the best sequels that I've ever seen. Like it ties in so much more than I thought to the first one. And at the end of the day, I think knowing that it's a two parter was better because I would have been really sad at the end of like, wait, (laughs) this is this is it. We're going to end it here. (laughs) And like, oh, okay, we know it's coming. And I I like what you said. It's a trilogy. It's Mm -hmm. not just you know, an individual thing you can watch by itself. You kind of need everything to go with it, but it's still, it maintained the charm. It maintained the adventure. And it proved to me that superhero fatigue is not real. We were just, Mm -hmm. if anyone was feeling it, you were just getting tired of lesser superhero, you know, properties, not the spectacular Spider-Man properties, if you will. Yeah, especially with that, uh, there was somebody else I was talking to this morning about how they refused to watch the first movie because it was animated and it wasn't going to be as fun because it was for kids. And, you know, that's exactly why this podcast was born, aside from Papa Panda's plotting, uh, is to, (laughs) you know, take away that perception that all animated movies are just for kids. Like, this shows, like, can you imagine, like, trying to make this stuff with live action people? It would be insane. But I I went into this movie with tempered expectations because I know how Sony operates. And I was worried that with the success of Into the Spider-Verse that they would start just getting too involved in this and putting things that didn't need to be there and et cetera, et cetera. But it was the complete opposite. Uh, Across the Spider-Verse, the studio stuck to what they were going to do, what they wanted to do, the storytelling that they know that they were good at. And they used Sony to grab what they needed to make that even better. In regards to the trilogy, this is like the modern day Empire Strikes Back for me Mm -hmm. uh, with the twist and the storytelling and the intensity and just leaving the theater craving the next one. The only other movie that's the only other trilogy that's done that to me in recent years is Winter Soldier. Uh, So I'm very happy. I'm glad that I went in tempered because I was my mind was definitely blown when I walked out. Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm as excited for this conversation as I was for the movie because it's it's a little surprising to hear how tempered expectations were because I know when we did like our most anticipated for the year, this topped the list for all three of us. So I was going in 
with a lot of hype and the hype is real and it met and exceeded my expectations. Uh, I think the Empire Strike Back comparisons are super appropriate. Uh, tiptoeing around spoilers to address uh, some of the things you mentioned, Matt, about the story slowing down a little bit. I think that needed to happen because this is a part one, uh, maybe mm-hmm. not in title, but in spirit. But I, I think it did a really good job of having a complete character journey for multiple characters, actually. I think Gwen and Miles both got kind of complete sto- uh, character arcs in terms of uh, where they start off at the beginning of the movie and where they end on this cliffhanger ending. But I think those slow moments needed to happen in order for it to feel that way and actually be satisfying in its cliffhanger nature. But uh, I'm not alone in, in the hype. Like, this movie just did $120 million opening weekend here in the United States, and it did like $209 million globally. So it's already the highest grossing opening of the summer. So people wow. are going to see this thing. And the fact that it's an animated feature, it's the longest animated feature to be released in the United States here. Like, it is a good time to be a fan of animated content. It's a great time to be a Spider-Man fan. So I'm riding that high. That's awesome. Yeah. One thing I have to mention, because Jay Scotty and Andrew, you both mentioned this, uh, the fact that it's it's a it's a two parter. Um, I had forgotten that. I did not remember this was a two parter, and so that actually really affected my viewing experience mm. because, like, ah. they got to the big crescendo, and I, like, I'm not I'm not counting points off or anything. That's fine, but like, got to the big crescendo, and then it ended, and I was like, oh. Oh, I forgot this was a part one, part two situation because they changed that. It's no longer called Across Spider Verse Part One. It's called Across Spider Verse. Next one's called Beyond Spider Verse. Now, correct. But it used to be a part, literally part one, part two, and I just I forgot that. Just completely forgot, and it like definitely disappointed me at the end. I was like, no, <laughs> no, oh no. All right, so I'll say I'll say one more thing, and then we'll just go into spoiler talk because I do have something to say on that. Um, one of the one of my concerns that gave my tempered um expectations is that i was worried that it was going to be too big and there was going to be too much going on and the the fun of it was going to take over good storytelling but it did a really good job at isolating specific characters and making you care about particular people and like the bigger story with within their within like or through their lenses as opposed to just way too much going on at once like i never really felt that way sure you could watch this movie a million times and find something you didn't notice the first time Mm-hmm. But nothing that really took away like from the viewing experience. So from that, like let's spoiler warning. We've talked about it. We're gonna talk about other stuff more. And I'm gonna kick it off by saying that well, sorry, it, go ahead. Just to give the listeners if they need that extra threshold oh, right. to depart before we get into spoilers, let's do uh some blending rather than spoiling. How about that? Ah, yes, clearly I was very excited. Um <laughs> Yeah, so we're gonna talk to you about what is unarguably our favorite blender hmm. uh yeah so we got the blend jet 2 the blend jet 2 is portable so you can blend up a smoothie at work a protein shake at the gym or even a margarita at the beach it's small enough to fit in a cup holder but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice and frozen fruit with ease blend jet 2 is whisper quiet so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house lasts for 15 plus blends and recharges quickly via USB-C. Best of all, Blendja 2 cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap and you are good to go. Comes in 30 plus colors. They have Disney versions of everything. So whatever your preferences or personalities or any way that you want to spice it up more, whether it be with stickers or your own art, this and that, the options are endless. 
Yeah, we know Spider-Man has swagger. He has creativity. You can have that opportunity to pick out your colors. You love it. And honestly, you'll feel as powerful as Spider-Man when you're using this blender because it's easy, it's quick, it sticks right in your hand. You got that web going, you're ready to go. And it only gets better and easier to use with the Orbiter drinking lid. It's a leak-proof lid that you can add right on, keeps your ensemble safe from spillage, has that one-hand convenience, like I said, and a large opening that you can open with just a thumb and has enough room for a straw. And it's self-cleaning, just like the rest of the blender. So again, you're powerful. You're on top of it in any universe. You should have this blender because it's going to make you feel the best with no spills either. I was teasing a couple of weeks ago about how I wanted to try this with oats overnight. Uh, don't have a code for oats overnight, but me if I keep talking about it, they will. But it actually <laughs> turned out great before I went to bed. I threw in the oats overnight, filled in the amount of milk that it said, put it in the fridge overnight, took it out, hit that blend, and man, was it smooth and convenient to just take it work. Definitely suppressed my hunger, but adding that with the blend jet is just such a phenomenal combo. And it just, man, it, I can't stress enough how much it helps the everyday today. Yeah, so you've heard us gush about it. Thwip and click and click that link in the episode description. What are you waiting for? Go to blendjet.com and grab yours today. And be sure to use the promo code STAYWELM12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power, and innovation of the Blendjet 2. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with the Blendjet 2 portable blender. Go to blendjet.com and use the code STAYWELM12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. Shop today and get the best deal ever. All right, so if you guys are still here, clearly you have watched one of the best movies we have ever seen you have enjoyed this in all of its theatrical beauty and you were excited for us to talk about it with all the spoilers that it deserves um i do want to start off by talking about the beginning of this movie obviously the expectations were were still high despite us trying some of us trying to temper it but (laughs) if you gave me the first 20 minutes of this movie of Gwen Stacy's background and what happened to her, Peter Parker and the relationship with her dad, like where the credits started. If you were to end the movie right there, I still would have been completely happy just with how emotionally packed and well-designed and beautifully placed those first 20 minutes were. Mm -hmm. Starting with Gwen was a bold choice. Like Mm -hmm. she even said at the start, let's do it a little different this time, as opposed to let's do it one more time. Like they took it on a left-hand turn that I I loved that they kept that a secret. It wasn't in the trailers that Gwen was going to be important. It was like, oh, this is still a Miles movie. But then you sat down and they're like, now we have some more tricks up our sleeve this time. And it just, uh, the one thing, this is a character-driven movie. Like, I was nervous when they said Nick Cage was not coming back and John Mulaney, like, I'm like, oh, we don't get Spider-Ham. We don't get Spider-Man Noir. You know, who's going to be at the center? They took a step back so we could get more of these characters at the forefront, not just Mm -hmm. Gwen, but I know we're going to talk about plenty of the other Spider-People. But yeah, it was character driven in so many ways that I was not prepared for and so satisfied with. Mm. I actually think that that choice is one of its saving graces in my, like I mentioned the one downside I had for this movie and that being, it had a little bit of a slow section. And um, I think if the movie had started with that slow section, it really would have set the movie up for failure because you just, it needed something at the beginning to really kick it into gear Mm -hmm. and getting an entire story, like the entire story of Gwen's, not the entire thing, because you go back to it at the end, but you get a really strong sense of her origin story. Um, 
uh, clips that we saw in the first one of Peter dying, we get all the context around those mm-hmm. and we find out really what happened. Um, I, I thought that was a, and the art style in that section of the movie, Wind's oh, universe, beautiful. They use uh-huh. the um, sort of like the painted frames, right? Uh, a la like a romance comic book, basically, which is very uh-huh. common, like the female led uh, superhero stories, the more relational type stories um in comics and like they use that painted style i just thought it was the way that the world reflected emotions in the way the paint style changed yep oh beautiful you beat me to one of my favorite things about it which (laughs) i feel like that part that part Mm -hmm. is just so underappreciated especially when she comes back and has that heart to heart with her dad the amount of times the scenery changed in the backgrounds depending on her tone and what she was feeling and the energy it was just it was incredible. Like I said, you could watch this movie a million times and still find something new. And the fact that this genuinely came into people's brains and said that this needs to be a part of it was just such creative. I can't even think of the words for it. It was just beautiful. Yeah, I believe that art style was actually trying to evoke the Spider-Gwen run in the comics where it's very kind of mm. like watercolor and what kind of stood out to me in addition to like the color palette changing as we were evoking different emotions or tapping into different sentiments is that uh, the scenes would generally start off with like more detail in the background and as time went on and we got focused more on characters the details kind of got washed away and became less and less clear and you were really focusing on the characters but um, I, I think it was the right move too. like again like talking about how this movie ends off on a cliffhanger I think starting off with Gwen was the right call. It brought that frenetic energy that you're talking about, Matt. And it also set up the fact that like, yes, Gwen was kind of a participant in the events last time around, but it was really Miles' story. This sets her up to be kind of like a co-protagonist right alongside Mm -hmm. Miles. It's still his story, but she is such a crucial part of it. And she's got her own journey to go on. But um, I've watched the movie twice now. And one of the things that stuck out to me the second time around is um, the score uh, her theme especially is is so awesome. It's like when they have the fight in the museum and it's got her theme going and then you bring in like these like Renaissance um, themes as well when you've got that version of the vulture. Like uh, oh, it's in- so cool. It's incredible. <laughs> and uh, also like in addition to just serving her character really well, I think with the sweeping scale of the story and like focusing on the spider society, like I think it makes sense to use her as the conduit as the introduction to the spider society rather than like starting the movie off with miles and having to just have that all like feel like catch up, like her catching miles up. Like we, as the audience already know everything that she knows and miles can kind of go along as this like newcomer. We're not necessarily the newcomers in the same sense. And I think that helped give it a a lot of energy because it is a long movie and uh, you know, I didn't really feel the runtime in terms of the pacing, but I think that kind of story structure certainly helped, especially when we do slow down as we catch up with Miles a little bit right after this. Yeah, in regards to runtime, um, I always have like my watch face like turned off when I'm in there because I if I feel like if you check your time during the movie, like you must be pretty bored. So yeah. I, there was a point where I was like, so much has happened right now. Like, how are we going to wrap all this <laughs> up? There's got to be something else going on, and I'm. I'm dying. I'm itching. I'm just like, I just need to see what time it is. I need to know how long it's been. Like, are, are we really <laughs> doing this right now? And it, it got to the point, I think like in the past 10 minutes, it was like, there's going to be a cliffhanger that there's going to be a big reveal and a cliffhanger right now. And when we got that 
that other version of Miles and what the story was happening. And when we got to see Uncle Eric and I was like, oh, my God, there's going to be another movie. This isn't over yet. Like, I was worried that this was going to be too big. And now I love how big it's getting. This is amazing. <laughs> this is such a good movie. I was uh, cheering. Like, as it ended, I was like, you guys are doing such a fantastic job saying screw you to anybody who's trying to interfere and just doing what you want and doing a fantastic job at this. Like we understand how important source material is and being able to just sit back, see what works for you and just let nerds be nerds and have a good time putting this mm. stuff together is really, is really paying off between this and Mario and guardians and just letting these people create and have fun with it and just be their, be their nerdy selves. I'm, I'm yeah. loving everything that's, that's happening because of this. Yeah. You said, you saying that this movie was for nerds. They were unabashedly like, if you're not a Spider-Man fan, you're probably not going to enjoy this movie as much as like the rest of us are. But the rest of us got to laugh and cheer and point at 17 different Spider-Men <laughs> and gasp and just <laughs> figure all these things out. It was so, so great. And they, as always did the attention to detail things because I had figured out miles was Prowler like 10 minutes before because mm-hmm. he has the design for the claws in the bedroom when Miles first walks in, and as oh. soon as he, as soon as he's in the, yeah, that's the engineer brain. I saw blueprints on the wall, and I was like, "Wait, that's a thing, that's a thing." Yeah. And it, it was the Prowler glove, and I'm like, "This Miles is a villain." That's the big like ticker. Nice. So when that I was happened, recognizing yeah. soccer players, and you're looking at blueprints. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it if it uh if it helps, uh, I had a similar interaction with the movie with punk spider punk because throughout the movie he's he's stealing things that seem random right and he's an anti-fascist and so like um see like i don't know there was some part of me that really connected to spider punk because i'm not a musician oh love uh, it musician anti-fascist like whatever uh so he's like he's pulling he's pulling all this uh stuff and stealing stuff i'm like no no he's building his own watch like he's mm, setting yeah. stuff up. And then later in the movie, he gives like uh, Gwen a cobbled together watch. And I was like, that's where he was like stealing all <laughs> Miguel's stuff. Like it wasn't important. And when oh, I love, I love that. Like, yeah, I love that. They do. I, they gave enough to us to figure things out in this yeah. very yes. busy movie. You know, that's so cool. I mm-hmm. need him and rocket raccoon just in a room together for 10 minutes oh, now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to get more of him. Like I loved spider punk so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was great. Well, we, we've gushed about this movie a lot already, but I do want to like ask a question. Like obviously Matt, it seems like you just answered it with spider punk, but like who was your favorite, like new spider person we got or that moment that you were just like, Oh my God, they included this spider person. <laughs> you guys go first. Cause I'm going to go on a tangent. I was about to say, I know where Zuhair is going. So I need to get my words in. Uh, <laughs> I, I'll leave his to him. Spider punk. I was not actually prepared to like him when he first came on. I was like, what's this guy's deal. It's a little too over the top with the art style. And in like 10 minutes when he started going, Oh no, down with the man, anti-fascist. Let's mm-hmm. just do it our own way. I was like, Oh, I love this guy. And then I didn't realize it until my girlfriend pointed out. She's like, it was when he took off the mask and you saw how handsome he was. I was like, yeah, that was when I fell in love with him, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that was the moment that I'm like, dang it, they did it to me. But no, he he was surprised me because I wasn't. I thought Zuhair's favorite was going to be my favorite, but I think Spider Punk may edge out uh, what we saw. But I will say, um, the honorable mention, Spider Lady 
which is the she was only in the background for a brief scene. She's the one with the like steampunk mechanical legs. She's okay. one of like the first Spider-Verse comics that they made. It was her. And I love her because she doesn't have as much of the powers, but she built the legs herself in a steampunk world. And she fights a version of the Sinister Six that are all like made from old timey machines. And I love them. So she's my one like they put her in. Yes, we got this. Like, <laughs> hopefully yeah. she plays a bigger part, but I don't think she's ever going to be more than just a background point. Yeah. Uh, in terms of like, to answer my own question, that one that was like, Oh my God, they did that. It was, it was Donald Glover as uh, oh, yeah. Aaron Davis yeah. as the prowler. Like, I can't believe they did that. But if I'm going to stick to spider people, um, this, this character did not get like any real character development or anything like that. But the fact that like he was just there, I really love that they included that the insomniac Spider-Man because uh, yeah. I just got a PS five. I just started playing the insomniac Spider-Man, the remastered. I'm going to be playing Miles Morales very shortly in preparation for uh, Spider-Man 2. And the way they set that up, it was like, we got video guy, video game guys, and you see a couple of different sprites. And he's like, oh, you talking about me? It's like, yeah, we're talking about you. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I kind of hated the character, but like I really loved that he was there. Um, the Ben Riley Scarlet Spider. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> as voiced by Andy Samberg, which was amazing. Um, you captured so, in my well defined musculature. You will not escape. Yeah. <laughs> that was Andy Samberg? Yeah. That was yeah, Andy Samberg. Samberg. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was great. And uh, Jack Quaid was uh, the Peter Parker from Gwyn's. Uh, universe, the one that turned into the lizard. Really? Oh, that's yeah. cute. That's cute. What's yeah. Jack Wade known for? Uh, the the boys. boys. Huey. Oh, okay. He's also uh, in Star Trek currently as uh, Boimler. <laughs> oh, he's got the perfect voice for Spider-Man. And I mean, mm -hmm. if we're going to call it out quick, it was also uh, Daniel Kaluuya or Kaluuya as yeah. uh, Spider-Punk, which I didn't even realize the whole time because oh, I, I didn't either. I forget he's British. Like that's his my, normal voice. My name's Obi. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna reveal my secret identity to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love the <laughs> How do you look even cooler without the mask? <laughs> it, I don't know, but it works. <laughs> oh, I mean, I just loved how his entire aesthetic, like his the way his animation style followed him. I agree that yeah. it kind of like made the screen almost too busy. But this movie is so busy. Like the screen is so busy all the time that. Like you said, that's why you can watch this so many times and like keep getting new things. The little footnotes and stuff like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, when the movie opened, like the first thing that happens, I don't know if you guys caught this. There's a little poof of like blue and red with a word in it before the before the screen comes up. Yes. And I, and I couldn't see what word it was. It was too fast. But like there's all these. Did anybody see what that was? Mm -mm. It's in the bottom right hand corner. And I was like, what was that? And it was gone. It was like one frame. It was huh. like freaking Tyler Durden stuff that they're like sneaking in to these movies for me to like find little Easter eggs later. And I was just like, yeah, I, I thought it was uh, amazing. When you first started bringing that up, I thought you were talking about how it, it starts the movie off saying that it's approved by the Comic Code Authority, which the first film did as well, which is just a really yes. nice touch as well. Yeah, yeah it is. It yeah. Really is. The, the one thing like they did the onomatopoeia great. They did the comic mm. panels from the first movie. I didn't think they needed to add anything until we had editor's notes, like actual comics. I'm like, thank yeah. you for having clarifying things in the bottom. That was really appreciated. <laughs> they did a great job. It's great because like so often we get these things we see on screen. <clears throat> like if you'd seen Insomniac Spider-Man and you'd been like, hey, that looks just like Insomniac Spider-Man. That must be a reference to that. But then like 
we'd have to wait for some producer to tell us the truth. Like, yes, that was a, that was definitely, but it's always like this third party to have it on screen and just be like, this is a reference to the 2020 insomniac game. Like mm-hmm. I just think it's so much fun to be in the theater, having those things confirmed as we're watching them. It's yeah. great. Yeah. 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 My, my honorable mention, like the, the Spider-Man that I saw that didn't really contribute anything. It was during the intervention, like when more and more ones were coming in, was that I noticed that there was a hockey player Spider-Man. Like he had like the little fur hood up and he was holding a stick. And I was like, I would love to see how he operates. Mm. But without fail, it was definitely Spider-Man India. Like people told me that that was going to happen. They're like, hey, what did you do? I was like, I don't just shut your mouth right now. I'm not engaging in any conversation about this movie. I don't want anything to know about it. Like I will see it when I get in the theater to the point that I forgot that he was even in this. And I wasn't expecting like this big of a segment with him. Yeah. I've never seen anything like him. I've never seen character design. I didn't know who the voice actor was before, but then I realized that it was uh, uh, Caranzoni who played the taxi driver in Deadpool. Dopender. Uh, Dopender. <laughs> yeah. So when when that music started, like I'm sitting and like I've been to three Indian weddings in the last month. So it's like I've been listening to Bollywood music nonstop. So when the music started, like I'm sitting there tapping my toe, like, okay, this is catchy. And then when it fully came in, like I went full Delaire Mandy with like the shoulders come in dancing. My friends even told me that afterwards when that music like truly hit and we realized like what was going on, they were all watching my reactions instead of watching what was on the screen because of how much I was geeking out. So I started dancing. I got into it whenever they talked in. uh, So I was joking with my friend who was sitting next to me speaking Spanish because when there was something that didn't have subtitles, I was like, what did they say? So the same thing happened with Hindi that when there wasn't subtitles, I was nudging her. I was like, that's what they said. I understood that. This is really cool. Um, so the music was phenomenal. Everything that he was saying was great. Like he was telling these Americans what was up. That whole conversation about Chai tea, I could not contain myself. I was like, yes, preach. Thank you. Everyone needs to listen to this man right here. Yep, I, um, totally, I totally heard you telling me that. Yeah. <laughs> I, heard you. I, I could not contain myself. I geeked out so hard. I have never felt more seen in a movie like this before with superheroes. And that's the beauty of Spider-Man. That's what Stan Lee has preached about is that anybody can see themselves in a Spider-Man suit because it's concealed. Like it can be anybody. Just be yourself. Be the truest version of yourself. And to see this beautiful rendition, um, by the way, when he called out that family of four for being on that moped, I have seen a max of six in Pakistan <laughs> driving on the streets. It is terrifying. Don't not drive anywhere near them. It's just it's terrifying to look at. And they, the fact that they address so much of this culture and so much real talk within like the 10 minutes that this guy was just spitting dialogue, every second of it was so, so beautiful. He is probably my favorite superhero ever now. I cannot exaggerate nice. that. It's just Aww. I I need more of him. That was just such a beautiful moment. Awesome, yeah, he had man. he had some great dialogue, and like you mentioning the spot making that observation made me think of when they're swinging along, and the spots like I'm on a journey of self discovery. He's like, "Don't you eat, pray, love me." Love me. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, you come to India for that. <laughs> so that was so funny. Yeah, yeah. What I really appreciated about the characters, like they introduce him, and like he's like, "Oh yeah, being Spider Man's easy for me. I wake up in the morning. I don't want to. I don't work out because you know I don't want to put on too much muscle. Don't have to do anything with this hair. Just a little bit of coconut oil." Yeah, and then. He's like, yeah, I've been doing this for six months. And then Miles is like, what? Six months? And he's already on the team. But that wasn't just 
there for the sake of like, you know, degrading miles a little bit or playing a joke there. Like it actually factored into the story. The fact that we were going to get our first canon event, like he's a fresh Spider-Man. Mm. So he hasn't gone through this traumatic event mm, yet. So yeah. I was like, yeah, I, I really appreciated that. It was like really well thought out and really well written. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you talking about that talk brings me to the number one point I wanted to talk about with this movie. And it was the biggest surprise and probably biggest sticking point for me is how much of a proper sequel this movie was. I thought it was just going to be, okay, let's do Spider-Verse again. Mm -hmm. I was not expecting the spot to be the bagel guy that got hit by the, when they threw it in the first movie, like that guy became famous on in memes, like to bring that back. But suddenly you talk about how, Oh, he's only been Spider-Man for six months. And miles is like, well, why does he get a watch? turns out everyone else does, but it was this deep, rooted story that they have to have been planning from the beginning i don't know how they couldn't of oh miles is from another world he's already a non-canon event and it's just going to play into this deep he doesn't belong and he needs to find where he belongs and the world 42 mattered even though it was a throwaway line in the first movie like they dug up so much of the stuff that it felt normal to happen without an answer the first time around but now that it's in front of us you're asking questions of like oh yeah these things are different. What happened to these people? What was the collider event? How did the accident happen? You know, is this really the only world where Peter Parker died? Possibly. Like there's so many of those questions that were suddenly brought up and it made a multiverse movie that proved this is what a multiverse thing can be, where it's all crossover. It's all planned out and every little thing matters across the spider web. It it reminded me a lot of everything everywhere all at once of just mm. talking about how these events need to happen in certain places or it's just going to destroy everything like mm-hmm. uh, to compare these two movies is only apt because they're probably the best two instances of the multiverse full stop it, it is yeah. insane that the spot is basically jobo Tapaki and a bagel was his origin and jobo Tapaki wanted to make everything oh my a bagel. God. <laughs> oh, you're blowing my mind jay scotty <laughs> Oh, you're blowing my mind. Is the bagel a canon event? <laughs> yeah, the bagel's definitely a canon event. Crap, or, or I had a bagel this morning. Out. What did I do? <laughs> but no, I do think that leads into like uh, a conversation we should definitely have. And I think one of the strengths of this movie is that it really does like offer an interesting commentary and like a meta commentary about the nature of yeah. fandom and what uh, canon events are and what canon means to us as fans. And like the first movie. I thought was like such a great deconstruction of like the character of Spider-Man and the idea of Spider-Man and like the fact that anyone can wear the mask, anyone can be Spider-Man and like everything you brought up there, Andrew, about like Miles being challenged with this fact that like he's the anomaly, like he's the original anomaly. He doesn't belong here. Like, I think that's why like going back to like talking about those slower moments earlier on, like that is the conversation he has on the roof with his mom like she makes him promise that like no matter where you go no matter who you interact with like know that you are loved and know that you belong so yeah absolutely i i think that's such a huge conversation that this movie has um the first movie was all about you know anyone can be spider-man anyone can be powerful and now this movie sets up i don't think it finishes this story but it's setting up i believe the idea that like but no one gets to tell you how to live your life you know what i mm-hmm. mean like you don't have to be who your parents his mom his, oh the conversation with his mom oh my gosh it made me all right this is matt crying again uh <laughs> but like uh 
my family didn't offer me much, uh, you know, money or uh, like status or good, good home training, like none of that. Like I didn't, I didn't learn much from my family if I'm being perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I learned was the thing I got from, especially my mom was love, just mm-hmm. like love. And when she has that conversation about, <laughs> excuse me, sorry, um, go, go into the world and like, know that you belong there. Yeah. Like have, have the confidence of like, the, a mother's love. Like, I can't be that for you now. I need to learn to step away and not be that. But I, that's, w- that's what I've been training you for your whole life. By mm. loving you and telling you how you can be anything, I have been preparing you to be in the world and belong in it. And that is just, I, that's, my mom did that for us. And mm, like, yeah. and, and is, is, is just, a, it meant a ton to me to hear that conversation. It was so good. Yeah, I can, I can relate to that in the sense that like, from a deep Indian Pakistani culture, like I've been considered a failure in many ways. Like I live too far away from our place of prayer. I became a photographer instead of becoming a doctor or an engineer. I'm 30 and still not married yet. And my mom is always the one that's like, if that's what you want to do, then you got to do what you need for that. And she's always been like my backbone and my support system and everything. So I a hundred percent understand where it's like, it's not always a situation, but moms just have a magic way of making it work. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, parents are the most power. They are the real superheroes. They're the most powerful people in so many of our lives, and they, they empower what we do. And I feel like it's been a great theme, not to take away from Spider-Verse or these comments, but just in superhero movies of late. We've gotten so many family themes, and I absolutely have loved it. You have this, you have Miss Marvel. We're going to have Blue Beetle where it's like, they're not keeping their identity a secret because they want their family to give them that power. Aunt May mm-hmm. even knew about Peter in this recent Spider-Man. And it's just, God, every one of those movies I've listed off has made me cry because parents just do the best work. They, yeah. they make mm-hmm. us into the heroes we are. Mm. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing is like that, that first movie was, you know, miles, learning to be a Spider-Man and like learning to, uh, there was a lot of, there was a lot of him as student in the first movie. Sure. Like, uh, from his family, from his teachers, from his, all the other Spider-Men training him to be one. But like, this is about him, like doing the thing we all have to do when we get a certain age and deciding to make our own decisions that even if they're against what our parents say, what our other Spider-Men say, okay, okay, analogy breaks down, but you know, that sort of thing. (laughs) No, I I don't think the analogy breaks down fully. And um, I was just teasing that we don't have (laughs) (laughs) Spider-Man. No, no, it's a beautiful conversation. Absolutely beautiful conversation. It's why I think the, the movie strike such a chord in addition to all the bombastic, you know, shout out to the bombastic bag man who had a small visual cameo there, but all, all the frenetic and bombastic <laughs> mm-hmm. action we get, there's just this through line of emotional resonance and that's what makes it work. And like thinking about that message that miles mom gave him and it's so what he gets to say, it's like um, when he's on the rocket going to the moon and, and Miguel's coming after him and like laying into him and like even Gwen and Peter say like, Hey, you know, this is not what we discussed. Like you're, you're going a little too intense. And he's like, who do you think you are really? And he's, Everyone's telling me who I have to be. And like, that's your canon. That's not my canon. I'm going to mm-hmm. do my own thing. And to that end, I think like Miguel kind of does represent this like 
toxic fandom. Like he yeah. thinks he's the good guy, and like Gwyn tells him, "We're supposed to be the good guys," and he says, "We are. Like we are protecting the fandom, but at what?" costs like and i think that's mm-hmm. why you know the character of miles works so well when he was introduced in comics uh, there was a lot of backlash people were like no like peter parker's spider-man who is this you know afro latino character that you're bringing in and making spider-man like we don't want that and uh it just you know it's it's really empowering and, and powerful and i'm so glad that this character is like getting this opportunity to be on the big screen and having the success that he's having because I, it's just such a powerful message and um, they, they weave it in there so well. And staying on the theme of parenthood, like with how much Peter B. Parker is struggling with that, how mm-hmm. he first off didn't know he was like hopeless when we first met him. Like he didn't want to be a teacher. He didn't want to be a husband. He thought that like everything for him was over. And now, He's given this opportunity. He has a child. And that dialogue between him and Miles of him saying, like, I want her to be like you. I want her to be like, I look up to you and want my child to be like that. And for him to be scared because he wasn't able to resonate the way that he wanted and to talk to NJ and be like, I don't know if I can be a dad. And I loved her response, like, you're saying this now. Um, but for, mm-hmm. for him to have that doubt and have that struggle, it's just kind of like, if I, if I can't resonate with this, am I going to be a good father? Can I do this? And you see those doubts creeping back in from like the, the version of him that we were introduced to. It's just, it's really powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that might've been one of the most emotional scenes was him being like, I had this kid because of you. Yeah. There, there was the very oh. clear line in the first movie him and MJ broke up because she wanted kids and he didn't to know that he went back to the world and said, I just met the best kid of my life. I'm going to go through with this. Oh my God. Just hold yeah. the baby. It's a life changing experience. I'm telling you. <laughs> You're Johnson. so bad at holding babies. Oh my God. Uh, I need to see, even if it's just like <laughs> an image of Jake Johnson and Oscar Isaac, like in live action in their, costumes like i wanted them to show up in no way home more than anything but like now i just need it even more <laughs> oh yeah it's I, it's i would have loved uh, that peter b being the i take too many pictures of my kid dad is the best decision they could have made because instead <laughs> i thought they were gonna take the like oh he's a, just a goofy father that doesn't know how to take care of his kid no he's the over-the-top father that is like oh you'll love this <laughs> it's like when uh, Michael Scott came back at the ending of The Office and he had like two phones because he ran out of storage and one just taking pictures of his kids. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, uh, I, yeah, I, uh, so good. Peter B. Parker. I, he did not shine for me in this one the way that he did in the last one. The last one, he was like my favorite part of the story. Um, but that's not a criticism of the movie. It's just, he wasn't as much of the focus. He was very, he's, he had a much more limited role in this one. Yeah. And, yeah. and like, I kind of missed how, uh, I don't know. I guess I liked that they maintained how much of a mess he is. Mm-hmm. I really liked the first one, how much of a mess of us. I love the Spider-Man with sweatpants on. And so <laughs> oh, yeah. this one gave us a whole new version of that Spider-Man to cosplay with like the pink robe on. Um, just it's all, it's all so good. I, I, I don't know. I can't even. Just um, little, did it master the baby that she pulled down herself? Oh yeah. When she's like ready to go into battle again, she pulls down <laughs> the mask, go. little knitted mask. Oh, it's so good. That kid's an I, anarchist. i uh we haven't talked too much about uh, miguel and 
talking about Spider-Man that I really, really loved in this movie, love to hate is, is really like the thing. Um, we talked about this. It all ties together so well because this movie ties together so well. Uh, our conversation weaves, uh, like a web because yes. Miguel <laughs> is the opposite of the mom, uh, in many ways. Mm. Like there, I, I love what you said, Scotty, and we definitely should come back to it about the toxic fandom aspect of Miguel, but sure. it also represents a older generation who went through their own trauma and doesn't want to improve things for a younger generation because the trauma built them into the man they were supposed to be. And now they want to perpetuate the trauma and like not take care of people, uh, not give people uh, free health care in this country, stuff like that. Um, (laughs) Student (laughs) loans. Sorry. Student Uh, loans, healthcare (laughs) for real. I mean, like that's literally like this, this, I'm sorry to get the political. uh, We we don't do that much on Stranded Panda, but like it, it, there is this like sense of I did it. I did things the thing my way, the boomer psychology of like, I did the thing I got, I struggled through. Now you get to struggle too. Instead of looking at him and going like, I want to help you. I want to help the next generation to be supported. They think support is somehow going to, or like fixing the timeline is somehow going to break society apart. Like literally that's what the movie is about. Mm-hmm. And like, it's not, it's just, that's not the case. And like supporting people and, and letting people make their own decisions, letting people have their own, uh, path their own way is not a destruction to society um and i think not only is that resonant on that like very personal level but then like you mentioned jay scotty it's resonant in this like what is a spider-man movie like yeah what is yeah. a thor movie what is a hulk movie we have this discussion every time there's a new version of it we have this discussion and as fans we have to like eh, well i didn't like this superman because he did this i didn't like this batman because he did this uh, this Batman killed this Superman was a creeper who was stalking Lois with his x-ray vision. Some weird, <laughs> some weird things happen. Um, but like we all get to judge these movies and I really enjoyed the idea of like the creators of this movie are saying like, no, Spider-Man can be whatever we want him to be. And like the changes we make can be, uh, can be their own form of creativity. And like, we don't, Miles father doesn't have to die. Um, Mm -hmm. Now the question is, is that true? And like, there's the setup of like, what if the canon event doesn't happen and then his universe falls apart? What's the answer to that? You know, like what is the, what is the solution? Cause we saw a universe falling apart. Um, Well, we we talked a little bit about possible like MCU connections and we yeah. know Secret Wars is coming. So incursions yeah. and universes collapsing, maybe this is all go- what you know. Mm-hmm. What does it mean when when a Spider-Man misses a canon event and the world starts collapsing? Is that because in, in all versions of the MCU, which this is all the same multiverse now, yep. so we have to like figure out how these rules work. When a timeline is pruned, which is kind of what that was happening, it had to be the TVA to do it. So in other words, it was Kang doing it. So like in this version, is there some third party that is not Miguel? Uh, is it Kang? It, could it be someone else? Like Miguel's the, a contractor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Miguel has his own purposes that he thinks like the TVA is doing the thing they think they have to do to protect the sacred timeline, but mm-hmm. there's someone at the top lying to them. What if all of this ties together in a similar way? Miguel's been protecting the spider verse, but there's someone above him who's really pulling the shots, like making him think that he has to do this. You know what I mean? I don't know. Mm. It could also be the other way of like, 
him protecting the Spider-Verse outside the MCU so they never cross like some other mm. entity that is saying this is my own sacred timeline over here I've been able to keep this hidden away from Kang yes. or absolutely, something like that absolutely. and that's when they finally come together yeah. but yeah. I will say there's Spider one thing King. yeah spider Kang. there's one <laughs> that's great actually I, I gotta pause Dude, on that that's actually <laughs> lovely like like if they if they brought in they've they, we've been doing kangs for two or three years at that point well i guess only one more year away is this movie but the end of the movie is a kang but it's a spider version of kang we got lego like, spider-man well, like spider kang really yeah. isn't that far no, I'll, I'll spin off of spider kang because i was thinking like with all these like spider-verse proceedings a character that's central to the spider-verse that we haven't seen yet is madam webb mm-hmm. and we there was mm-hmm. the rumor about kang being gender swapped what if spider kang is madam webb pulling the strings of the web absolutely Mm, just weaving that weaving that web herself but um there's one thing that has been bugging me since early in the movie that i have not been able to come up with a good answer in my head and i I think it's something that'll be paid off in the second film was miguel the moment where miguel went to bite the vulture's neck he yeah. has some ulterior motive that they just didn't ever go back to. There's some him. vampire shit going on there. Yeah, yeah they, they acknowledge they he's, he's a vampire. They call him a vampire ninja, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like they acknowledge it, and he's because there's the great joke of, wait, a vampire good guy? What's that like? <laughs> Morbius. Um, But, <laughs> like, I feel like that is some other underlying plot point of, like, is he doing this to gain something, not just protect? Like, is he getting Ooh. more powerful? Are there the like the vampires or the monsters or something that want to rise up? And there, there's some other thing going on because it felt like a very big moment and no one else got bit during the movie. Like, I expected it to come back. <laughs> well, we've seen, um, you know, characters like the Ancient One who drew her power from the dark dimension drew power from other Mm. dimensions what if something about multiversal like um what are they called uh sorry the the, what about what about variants uh, yeah variants but we call they call them in the movie like uh, anomalies sorry oh sure Uh, what if these like multiversal anomalies are like coming into different universes and somehow the blood of the different, the different you like if he's a vampire and he does drink blood from time to time, maybe he only drinks blood of the baddies. Okay. I don't know enough about Spider-Man 299, but uh, if he's biting, maybe he gets different like source of power by biting people from different multiverses or something. What if he can stop glitching if he consumes the blood? So suddenly he can become a multiversal villain that doesn't have to be bound to any one universe anymore. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Right there. That's the fuel source of the watches. Yeah, exactly. It could be mm, that could be what's something watches. Um, it's, it's, that, that gets pretty dark for a Sp- Spider Verse three if there's like a weird multiversal blood bank. Um, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, they did acknowledge like, oh. there was the go home machine that reads your DNA Mm -hmm. to figure out where you're from. I mean, DNA is in blood. Like it could just be some, like maybe he's stealing hairs, but instead he gets corrupt and steals blood after a while. Like it could be some tie together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I hate to pivot away from Miguel because I think this is all fascinating. I think there's a lot to learn about his character, but this talk about like this, um, multiversal villain with unbridled power just made me think of the spot again. And I think while 
the spot himself, like his journey kind of like was one of the biggest cliffhangers. I think, again, his relationship with Miles is what let, helped me feel like this part one was still a cohesive story because, again, it's the story of like Spider-Man and his hubris a little bit, like not taking a villain all that seriously, like calling him a villain of the week. And that is what actually motivates him to like become more powerful. Like he's pretty goofy, like earlier on. And Jason mm-hmm. Schwartzman is like great as the voice. Like, please let me rob you. Please don't make this a, a, a bad experience for me. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then there at the end, like he is truly terrifying when he undergoes that visual like transformation where he looks more like, like a Van Gogh painting with all these like swirling dark yeah. energies. Like, and Miles like tells him like, I'm sorry that I called you a villain of a week. Like you're a great villain. Like you're scaring the shit out of me right now. Like, please stop. <laughs> And the way that his tone changes, like you're gonna regret this, and then just boom. Yeah, yeah, it's so freaking good, guys. So yeah, can we? Do we all just want to go watch this movie again? Because that's where I'm at right this moment. Yeah, yeah, like, sure. yeah, there's more details to pick up on out there somewhere. Oh yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Look for a beyond this episode of this podcast, the sequel to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> do we know yeah. when that film is coming out? It's is currently it slated for March 29th. Of like 24? Yes, 24, yes. Oh. Like 8-10 months from now. It's crazy. Yeah, like, I'm eight. glad you made us wait, what, 5 years just to have both of them set and ready to go? Yeah. I hope that, so. That would be ideal, honestly. Yeah. It's like, hey, if you're going to take that long, might as well finish it all at once. Well, and the good thing is, it being an animated property, there's probably not any writing left to be done. I would imagine Probably. so. Yeah. Like yeah. most. Yeah, it came the, out in 2018. Unless Feige gets his fingers on it, then there might be some yeah, things that no, have to they, change. They, they might need to change something for like, uh, you know, to fit in Kang or something, um, which would be amazing. I would be down. Hmm. Or even yeah. get Doctor Strange in there because they may have had that drop. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, and that's me. Miguel is somehow working on that case too. Like, I, it's interesting. That, that might be the, that might he they, he might also be working with those uh, those variants. I, well, he did say that those anomalies are popping up because of that still, which we know uh, Adrian Toomes randomly popped into another universe at the end of uh, <laughs> at the Morbius. end of No Way Home. Morbius. Yeah, it's even Morbius, but after No Way Home, Adrian Toomes right. just ended up in another universe. So, like at least that. Sony is fixing that canon. Like we were all like, that's stupid. But now we know that like <laughs> that movie made it, me so mad. It made me so mad that that like weird thing, but it felt like they were only doing it to make that leap happen. And so they could use Adrian tombs in a movie, which mm-hmm. is what they were doing. But I mean, we're having the same canon conversation. We just said we probably shouldn't have though. Of Like that's not how the character works. Yeah. Well, I'm, it's just like not how that spell works. See, like I, I, ah, uh, I don't okay. think that like I don't think that like it's bad to have a conversation about a movie and whether it like it, uh, like it it follows its own rules. That's like the biggest thing for me. A movie needs to follow yeah. its own rules. I apologize. And, no, I misinterpreted. No, 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 no. I thought you were saying. I thought you were in the camp of people who's like, that's not how the vulture would act. He doesn't hate Spider Man. It's like, but he could oh. hate Spider Man. Oh, There's a lot oh, of people no, that no, argue no. that side of it. That it's like, oh, no. I don't like that Adrian Toomes wants to kill Spider Man now. 
I agree. The spell is stupid. The spell doesn't make sense. Well, like the, the fact that the spell happened and then like the spell did one thing in Spider-Man No Way Home and then they just randomly also threw tombs into another universe at the end of Morbius. <laughs> it was just like, OK, that's that's weird. But and then you know. drew in Venom just to make him disappear again. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, to be the devil's advocate here, like Doctor Strange mentioned how unstable the spell had become at that point. So who knows mm-hmm. what the lasting ramifications are, especially outside of like the established universe there and the reaching multiverse. I guess anybody that knew Peter Parker was Spider-Man might have been quantumly entangled. I know this isn't the Marvels, but that's the word that's coming into mind. And maybe, you know, as the spell became more and more unstable, they could have gotten shot off to, you know, whichever universe. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know why I'm defending Morbius because. <laughs> well, I agree, I agree with you completely that that's how it could work. And yeah. now that they've done it in this movie, it makes me much more comfortable. It like post talk makes the Adrian Toomes thing make sense, which I love. Sure, Because sure. now, now I'm like, okay, well, I guess the spell does work that way, and we just didn't know it, and that Adrian Toomes was just the first glimpse of it that we saw. Yeah, there is also like this movie mentions that there's all the weird things happening because of Kingpin's collider. That could also have been the event that moved Toomes was just like oh, Kingpin's right. whole experiment, not even right. the spell. That's a sure. good point. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely a good point. Yeah. But the um the whole Sony of it all and like thinking about Amy Pascal and Avi Arad and like how they've been with the Spider-Man franchise for so long, like speaking to this movie's success and Sony kind of wanting to run with this success. Like they've they've been trying to do these Spider-Man spin-off movies for a long time to varying degrees of success, but we did get the news that like a a spin-off Spider-Man, Spider-Woman movie is in development. And then there's been a lot of buzz about Miles making the transition to live action, which I think is incredibly exciting. But the fact that it's uh, Avi Arad and Amy Pascal kind of at the forefront, I'm like, yeah, you pipe down a little bit. Just let Lord and Miller, like, let them handle it, please. Yeah, <laughs> give them Spider-Man and, like, put them in Feige's pocket. Like, that's what yeah. I want to see yeah, happen. Yeah, for um, sure. And we had that announcement this week that they're talking about a live actor teasing, I think is the way a lot of the articles are saying a live action uh, version of Spider-Man Miles Morales. And like what, given that this movie says he's the only one of him in the multiverse, like, doesn't it basically say that? Like he's the one Miles Morales. Cause he's the one where he wasn't supposed to happen. He's an anomaly. Right. Um, I mean, I suppose there could be another anomaly that happens later or whatever, but what do you think the likelihood or the possibility that this version of Miles Morales is the one we get in live action later? Uh, I think it's a possibility. It just will like, how do you go about casting at that point? Because I know the voice actor, Shamik Moore, he looks significantly older than Miles yeah. is supposed to be. So maybe there'll be some time travel involved. I just don't know how you go about casting that character, but yeah, with yeah. the positive reception to this version of Miles and like, I th- I think th- there's a possibility there. I-, I think so. Yeah. I have a feeling they'd want to retell the origin story again with like the live action actor to just like co- audiences who don't watch cartoons, you know, because that, that's sure. the thing. But not on I this th- podcast. It is not on this podcast. That doesn't exist. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, sorry, I just recorded with Ashley. Um, <laughs> <laughs> She's like you guys is arch arch nemesis. Um, <laughs> But no, she, uh, we were talking about it and like, you know, people like her would have to go and like watch these movies, but I don't know. It seems almost like they're setting it up that that could be the case, but like 
people like her would have to go and rewatch these or they'd have to do it cleverly where they like sort of just have him be Spider-Man. I don't know. Anyway, hmm. I was just asking. I think it depends on which universe we end up in. Like if Sony makes the Miles Morales movie, they might do the transition. If it's going to be in the MCU proper, I hmm. feel like they're going to rewrite it because they've hmm. already kind of done the tease of Donald Glover has a nephew that lives in New York who obviously at that point sure. is not Spider-Man and already yeah. is Miles. That's a good I, point. But if they give us a Spider-Man 4 and Oscorp comes back around, that feels like a great way to just have another radioactive spider appear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. because yeah, we don't even have like, like we haven't seen a Tom Holland origin story on screen yet. It's just like a quick. Yes, like, yes a- we have. Well, we haven't seen the bite. Yeah. But that's what we were talking about this the other day. Uh, how beautiful the no way home aunt may death is because mm. we all thought we all thought for so long that our uh that our origin story happened off screen but what we didn't realize is we were watching his origin story for like the mm. last three movies his his aunt may dying is his uncle ben dying like that's the at least that's how i took it i'm not i don't know that uncle ben may have died off screen uh they never say for sure but uh, uh, i I think they allude to it in, in Spider-Man They Homecoming say all that sure. stuff with your Uncle Ben. They don't say, like, what happened. Okay. Um, and, he, and he is using, like, his uncle's, uh, his uncle's suitcase. So, like, you get the idea that his uncle might have died. We don't know if it was because he was Spider-Man. We don't know if it was because, um, uh, you know, of a wrestling match or whatever. Like, we don't know too much about it. Sure. Yeah, I think um, at the beginning of Far From Home, he says something along the lines of, like, we've lost people, which is obviously right. a very vague term. Yeah, 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 and in Civil War, like Tony asks him, like, "Why do you do what you do? Like, tell me, like, mm-hmm. what's what do you what do you get out of this?" And he's like, "Because when I, when you have the power to do things and you don't do them, it's kind of your fault." Like, which is basically with great power comes great responsibility. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't say it. But then you get that great moment in No Way Home when he's on the rooftop with the other Peters and says. She she told me with great power, and then Tobey Maguire's Peter Peter too gets to fill in. Comes great responsibility. How did you know that? Uncle Ben said it, and it's like for me, I, we've all lost people. So you, you, it kind of like set up these like canon events even beforehand, because like yeah. Andrew Garfield gets to come in and say, for me, it was it was Gwen. Like we've we've all lost people close to us that like made us who we are today. Yeah. Let me guess, your uncle died. How did you know? <laughs> <laughs> I uh, can't. Man, this is making me like tear up so much thinking about all these movies with these freaking great mother storylines and multiverse, like. Why <laughs> and and like it's funny because even the movie we all think of when we say the word multiverse, multiverse of madness, is DS Mom, as we all joke because it's about it like the evil version of the mother in that movie. But like you know, some again, Ashley would dispute me on evil, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but but no, it's just it's just funny how much moms and the multiverse are tied together in these like in uh everything ever all at once. Sure, this movie um. No Way Home and DS Mom in a very different way. But that's that's I always took that moment like he says the thing about in, in uh, you know, in Civil War about when you when you can do the things I can do and you don't and people get hurt, it's your fault. Yeah. And we always hey, assumed man. that was a lesson he'd learned from his Uncle Ben passing. But sure. what like I've realized like I think is also a possibility now is that like that's just who his mom is. And like his mom taught him that from being his mom, you know? Mm -hmm. And then like, 
when she says with great power comes great responsibility as she's actually dying it's like oh man that's just it's like stories about his mom it's so good yeah even in a opposite franchise we got flash coming out next week and you know oh, the yeah. whole flashpoint paradox is you know barry goes back in time to save his mom good call good <laughs> call yeah. oh man this is weird <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, I'm going to kind of take away from that heartfelt moment because uh, it, it must be it must be too real for me. It must be getting me in the feels. So I'm going to use uh, deflection. That's my, my coping strategy. Here. But uh, when you were talking about uh, May uh, and I, I thought about how Peter in, in the MCU especially refers to her as May instead of Aunt May. And it made me think of uh, the, the joke with uh, Miles' parents like, I don't, I've never liked Genki. He calls me by his, my first name. And then when you get introduced <laughs> to Gwen, she's just like, oh, you must be Rio. She's like, calling me by my first name. I don't love that. And then uh, Jefferson, it's like, surely you must mean Lieutenant Morales. <laughs> Soon to be Captain Morales. Oh, man. Yeah. So based off of that, like there's so many drops of foreshadowing that come up in this movie those little things it's like soon to be captain it's and then you realize like the captain status is like a big thing it you know mm-hmm. leads to these canon events and whatnot and one that i'm kind of gonna ring back to is what was a comical scene for miles to only have a b in spanish and him getting so much trouble for that oh. i love that this other variation of miles that we're getting has he embraces more of his Hispanic side. Like he has more of the accent. He says Miles Morales. Mm-hmm. And somebody was like, why would they add the accent to that? I was like, first off, like it shows the differences between them. Like he embraces that part of his heritage a little more, but then in the next movie, when there's crazy action going on, we can differentiate between who's who just based off of like their tone of voice. And it adds a little more diversity to that character. So there's just mm. so much of just like these little things that we think don't matter too much that just end up being like a big part of the overall story. Also, presumably, if his father's dead, he's speaking Spanish only at home with his mother. Oh, like, yeah. I didn't think that, about that. That's a character driven oh. thing. But I mean, we talk around the secondary miles. I, I can't hold back any longer. How did they make <laughs> the Prowler cooler? Like that <laughs> blows the first one out of the water and the dreadlocks with it just Oh, all of it was so, so So good. I like I don't often buy merch like Funkos or anything like that. If we get a Miles Prowler that it's going to be hard for me to resist because that looks so sweet. Like I'm excited for that fight scene. It's going to be crazy. I've been focusing on anime only Funkos, but that might be what gets me to to dive back in. I don't ever really buy toys anymore or like like whatever collectibles um, anymore. Uh, and mostly because I have a very tiny place. But as I mentioned to you guys, I just put an offer on a house, and I've been like looking through this uh, through this house, and everywhere I look, I'm like, that's a great shelf. For some <laughs> like I am definitely gonna get some starships to put in this. Like, oh, there's a great number of shelves for that. There's this. There's a, I'm so excited about it. <laughs> I'll just say, cannot wait for the remix of the Prowler theme that they're gonna have to make to make the Miles Prowler theme because Ooh. that might have been the best theme in the first movie was that Prowler uh-huh. theme. Yeah, yeah. The, oh, the horror beats so. Give it to oh, us, Lord Miller. <laughs> no, that, that chase sequence from the first one into the Spider-Verse with Prowler is one of the best action sequences in that movie. So I'm really excited to maybe get like that kind of an inversion of that as Miles is having to escape from this alternate version of himself in the uh, the opening of the 
of Beyond the Spider-Verse, or at least as I imagine that it's going to go. But uh, also as a lifelong Sonic fan, I can't hear Miles Prowler without thinking of Miles Tails Prower. For those Sonic fans out there, if you heard it, I heard it too. I forgot his last <laughs> name was Prower. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah. That's great. Should we open up the floor to like anything that we haven't brought up yet? Any standout moments? Any standout characters? Any cameos? Any speculation for the future? Uh, just stuff that I wanted to bring up, like in the middle of conversation. Um, first off, the the parallels of Kingpin to um, Oscar Isaac Spider Man mm. was really fascinating. Like mm. we we basically saw what happened when the hero saved the day and what happened when it didn't like when the plan of somebody going to their loved ones to replace that version of them, like what happens in that scenario. Mm-hmm. So also, it was, it was fascinating seeing like the flip end of that. Yeah. Well, it's also the, yeah, it's Kingpin lost his family and he is doing everything in his power to make sure he can get the family back no matter the cost. And, uh, Miguel lost his family and is doing everything in his power um, to make sure everyone else has the same loss. Like it's mm-hmm. it's a really like it's mm-hmm. it's 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 a weird parallel. Um, but also he, I reason I love Miguel um, is not only for the thematic reasons. It's just really great ethical discussion. Like it's mm-hmm. it's needs of the many outweigh yeah. the needs of the one. Like a little Star Trek in there. Like you either save a universe or you save a person. And like, clearly that's, there's the right decision there. But like, the question is, when you come to that decision, how much do you trust that it's a binary decision? And that's, I think what the next movie is going to question. And that's one of the beautiful things about what the MCU has done for so long that this movie, this franchise has been hitting is there's just so much gray area. Like it isn't Mm -hmm. just black and white. It isn't just good and evil. Like, this is very on the edge, but for example sake, like I feel like spot is the villain in this and Miguel is an antagonist, but at what point do they switch? Like when does one become the other? Or when does Miguel himself like become a villain? Because the way that the trailers went, even though I only watched the first trailer and the teaser, like it seemed like he was going to be the villain of this, but Mm just like how the MCU has multiple antagonists throughout each film. Like we have multiple threats and multiple things to deal with. And Miguel is a big part of that. Yeah. I, I don't see Miguel as a villain. I think that Miguel is doing what he thinks he has to, but I do think Miguel is, I think he's convincible Mm -hmm. possibly. I think there's maybe, Maybe there's a world where they figure out why these things are happening, why these worlds are being destroyed. Maybe there's something else, like we were talking about, maybe there's something else behind it. Um, and what if they what if they can bring back the worlds that were destroyed this way? Like, what mm. if Miguel, Miguel can end his story by getting his world back or something, you know? Um, I don't know. Well, I don't know, man. I think it's a good example of thinking you're right, but doing the wrong things to get there. Because the answer to Miguel's question is not, these people have to die. This canon event has to happen. It's close off the multiverse, but he doesn't right. want to see that. Uh, but because if he closes the multiverse, he can't stop these things. So who's going to stop them? Because they kind of already teased the answer to the question with spider Gwen, her dad became captain. He quit. He's alive now. Awesome. 
that's because there was no other Spider-Man to intervene. The only reason they stopped the canon event is because Miles wasn't supposed to be there in mm-hmm. uh, Mumbatan. So if they were to close off the multiverse and it was just uh, Spider-Man India, he probably wouldn't have been able to save everyone, no matter how hard he tried. But at the end of the day, you were the only one in control of your destiny and your fate. But the multiverse is what's screwing that up. So the answer is not for Miguel to change more things. It's for him to change less. Hmm. Let let go a little bit. Yeah, if he were to just trust trust the other Spider-Men to do what they do um, and be be Spider-Man. Yeah, Yeah, because he doesn't know that like as hard as Miles tries, if Miles is by himself, he might not be able to stop the event. But how does he know if he's not, you know, putting his fingers in it and making sure it happens? Yeah, that's really yeah. that's a really good point. Yeah, yeah, I agree that I don't think my uh, Miguel rather is a villain. I do certainly think he's an antagonist, but it does make me think back to another great callback, like early on in the film when he's in Gwen's world and they're fighting the vulture, and the helicopter comes in and says, "Like he's, they're shooting at him." And he says, "I'm a good guy. You don't look like a good guy." <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> so that I think that you know thematically, I think he, like you said, Andrew. He is a good guy. He's just like going about it the wrong way. Mm -hmm. We think right now too, like who knows what dark lesson waits for miles in this other universe. You know what I mean? Um, Like what if the resolution of the story is that like he, because with great power comes great responsibility. I, this movie Often when you end a series, the second one with a big like, nah, I ain't doing that. I'm not going to get trained, Yoda. I'm going to go save my friends. In the end, you have to go back and get trained. You know what I mean? Like, so in this, is he going to be like, nah, what? You were right. (laughs) Right. So like, you might go, nah, I'm doing what I want to do. I'm going a different way. I forget the, what's the line he says that's so cool? Right before he like blows up. I think it's up. just, nah, I'll do this my own way. Yeah, something like yeah. that. It's, it's so good it's when he blows up uh, all of the spider people. I, I lured all these people away from your base. Less fingers, more palm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and that was, again, oh, taught, that to him, taught to him by Spider-Punk who knew he needed him to have certain lessons so he could work with him in a minute. It, it was yeah. so, I love the Spider-Punk stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh. He, or was it? Oh yeah. What if the lesson of the next movie is like, okay, like maybe he can do everything he wants to do to try to save his dad, but what if his dad dies anyway? Mm. And that is still a canon event in his life that he couldn't stop. And he realizes like this great power came with this great cost, you know? Um, and, and like he, he learns to, he has to learn to accept the, his life story um, instead of, go in my own way, you know, cause the, the, this one ends on going your own way, but where does he have, where does he, where does he have to go from there? Does he just fight his way through and find a third way out of this whole situation? Or does he have to like loop back around and realize that in a way he might've had bad methods, but Miguel was right. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's sad to think that a lot of these characters have had to deal with one or even two deaths. And the fact that miles is potentially going to have to deal with three First Peter A. Mm-hmm. Parker, and then Uncle Aaron, and then now potentially his dad is just like a lot for him. Yeah, and he's mm-hmm. gonna have to deal with the the mirror universe, the darkest timeline, where uh, his father died already, and 
it, it, like, I think that's going to be a big, like, hard lesson to learn through, like, living in the world that his he lost his father. And not only was there no, uh, did Spider-Man die, but there was never a Spider-Man. So, yeah, because like, that was Earth-42. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So that's going to be All of this, and he can't even legally drive yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that <laughs> reminder early on in the movie of, like, he's only 15, I was like, whoa, that's intense for him. Yeah. Like, because they aged him up, but I expected, like, oh, he'll be 18 now. No, this has been a year. He's still a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you talked a lot about the alternate world. The last just gush that I want to get out there, I think we finally get to see the Sinister Six in that alternate world, and I'm so excited because they tease that the Sinister Six cartel is, like, running the world. So please let that be as epic as I'm hoping for. And that also reminds me of the other point. Apparently, a canon event is that J.K. Simmons exists in every single world. (laughs) Because the fact that he voiced the character in all of the worlds is the funniest thing to me. It's so good. I mean, it goes back to freaking uh, Homecoming. Or was it? Which one was it where he appeared? Is the second one at the uh, end of end Far of from, from Home? Correct. Far from Home. When he appeared in that, and it just blew all of our minds and blew open the idea of the multiverse to us. Um, that was one of the first. That was the first big multiversal thing we saw, where it was like, "Oh, it's all tied together." Oh my gosh! And then, like, to have it in here is, as just ubiquitous was amazing. Yeah, <laughs> it does beg the question though: in a world where Spider-Man never existed, who does J. Jonah Jameson rail against? Like, who is his the target of his ire? Ooh, that's a good question. Probably Osborne. Or is he just yeah. like a tool of the Sinister Six? I don't know. Like, is okay. he like, is maybe he's like up there being like, the Sinister Six cartel has a bad rep. Oh, that's a pretty good <laughs> third. JK Simmons, JK Jameson. That's pretty good. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, with uh, the, the Spider Man video game definitely set a really high bar for the Sinister Six. So I'm mm. excited to see like what they're able to do with them. Yeah. Do you think and there's who's a part, who's part of it? Yeah. Do you think there's a world where J. Jonas Jameson is either a villain or Spider-Man? Like, does that exist somewhere? In the grand calculus of the multiverse, it has to be out there somewhere. (laughs) He's that version of Spider-Man that actually has six arms. (laughs) He hates himself. He's super (laughs) self-deprecating. Now I really, yeah, exactly. I really want that. That's a really funny idea. If a multiversal, we visited J. Jonah Jameson (laughs) Spider-Man. So I'm, I'm, I'm fuzzy on the details. I remember the movie ends with him tied up and seeing the, uh, you know, mirror miles, um, wiles, if you will, like, Wario, okay. Um, so, but w- w- but right before that, we get the scene where all of his, they put his team together. Or was that, that Gwen that brought the team together? Yeah, Gwen brings the team Gwen together. Gwen put the team together. That's right. Yeah. He wasn't there. So Spider, Spider-Man Miles does not know yet uh, that the team has been put together and is coming to help. Yeah. yeah. And while we didn't get vocal performances from Nick Cage or John mm-hmm. Mulaney, yep. Spider-Man Noir and Spider-Ham were present, which I'm very very excited about just spider punk talking to noir is just gonna be a moment like <laughs> um who played the horse spider-man taron kill him taron kill him yeah the, we- uh, the web slinger yeah who who's taron kill him I'm, I'm not uh he was on snl 
Uh, he's married to Colby Smolders, Colby Smolders, actually. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I thought that might be uh, uh, Nick Cage. Nick, Nick Cage at one point. Like, I, I couldn't tell I couldn't tell the voice, and I was like, is that Nick On Cage? On the count of three, we shoot. One, yeah. two. <laughs> you didn't wait for three. <laughs> he was one of my favorite Spider-Men. I yeah, he was pretty great. Why is the horse wearing a mask? Horse has a secret identity too. <laughs> That's a line directly from comics, if I'm not mistaken. Like, I think I've yeah. seen the screenshot where people are like, "But why?" He's like, "Cause the yeah. horse needs to have a secret identity." Yeah. How did y'all react with the with the T Rex spider? Because my theater flipped out. We were just laughing. So oh hard. yeah, <laughs> yeah. The That's fact great. that it said T Whip instead of Thwip T Whip. Oh, that did was it great. really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Oh, another just, one that I really liked was uh, the the tech person spider bite, but it was B Y T E. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It's, it's like the Ready Player One spider person. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that was awesome. Golly, man, this movie is great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, speaking of spider bite, I do want to talk about how cool the um, the sequence was of that spider coming down and like webbing them back into their DNA origin. Just the look of that was just so creepy, but so fascinating at the same time. It, it definitely made me like everything about that just prison vibe just made me very uncomfortable mm. in a really good creative way. Sweet. Well, uh, I know we've gone kind of long here, but uh, I know we got at least one piece of feedback that I am pulling up now. Yeah, I knew we were going to have some things to say about this movie. I don't think I expected us to be an hour and a half worth of excited, but that's about where I thought. I mean, while you pulled that up. Bring up the last thing that I wanted to just quickly come back to was, Matt, you were talking about how like we didn't get as much of Peter B. Parker and we got a lot of Gwen. And I feel like that was like the perfect swap because of how important Peter was in the first one. Like we got little Mm. inklings of what Gwen's origin story was and how they reacted and their relationship and stuff. So being able to build more on that and see more of her home and her family and her issues and stuff. It was, she's such a powerful character and even the opening of her um, just being lost in her music because she doesn't know how to like express her problems and then storming out, you know, because of the depression and the anxiety and everything that she's holding in because the situation that she's in and losing two of her best friends and all of that, like that, that inner turmoil just hit so freaking hard. And that's why I feel like if that first 20 minutes was the whole movie, I still would have been content. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right there with you, man. I think that first three minutes is like a great little short film in itself. Like it's so good. For sure. Yeah. And yeah. it just brings back up how great her design was and the ballet slippers and the way that she moves through the air. Like Spider-Gwen was one of my fir- favorite Spider-Men coming out of the first one. So just getting uh, more of that was fantastic. No, I'm really glad, glad you bring that up, Andrew, because that does remind me. I, I've got an email here that I'm going to read, but uh, Megan Lachowski uh, reached out to us on the Instagram post and and she called John Irons and myself out for not giving enough kudos to the the gymnasts in this movie. And yes, it's animated, but the animators obviously had to look to real world gymnasts for inspiration. So uh, are you wearing my chucks? <laughs> yeah, kudos, yeah. Kudos to all the, the gymnasts that made like this is an animated uh, over the top unrealistic in some ways but uh, i do feel like the movement and the fluidity is like grounded in a lot of, in um some realism so oh for sure yeah. yeah okay let's uh let's hit this feedback real quick this is coming to us from our listener jonathan kim so he's got a little non-spoiler section here if you haven't seen this movie yet go watch it this is a great sequel to the first movie and it ties in very well 
The art in this film is amazing. As you can see, various kinds of styles, and it kept to the original style from individual properties as well. All right, spoiler ahead. Ah, I was not expecting to be continued at the end with as we mm-hmm. go into Beyond the Spider-Verse. I was one of those angry, annoyed audiences uh, since I wasn't expecting that at the end, but I loved every moment of the movie. I took my eight-year-old son, and towards the end of the film, he was like, how long is this movie? And I guess with the length and the direction they were going, I knew they couldn't fill it all in in this movie, so I get it. I'm excited for the beyond. My son loved the film as well. I asked him afterward what his favorite part of it was, and he said the whole movie. I had to agree. (laughs) I think I may have been the only huge fan in the theater because I was the only one with a happy surprise reaction when Mrs. Chin from Venom popped up and Donald Glover as the Prowler were on screen. The artwork on this movie was awesome as well. Just the details and thought they put into this film is amazing. I wish I had the pause button to read everything, though. I'm with you there. I love seeing the words like Scooby-Doo being explained as well as seeing like the Puerto Rico flag symbol when Miles' mother snapped her finger at the, in the counselor's office. Also, all the lines and additional details depending on the characters were great, like seeing the action words in different languages and such too. Definitely a great movie, and I can't wait for Beyond the Spider-Verse. I'll need to rewatch this one again so I can catch all the bubbles and all the Easter eggs in the film. So many of them. Love the ones connected to the MCU, even the timeline branch looking similar. Also, the ones connecting the PlayStation Spider-Man game, the cameo, and the game Ginky was playing in his room. Love it. Looking forward to hearing everyone else's feedback. Keep moving forward, Jonathan. Yay. Thanks, Jonathan. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree with him more. Like, I cannot wait for the super nerds to get their hands on this film and go through frame by frame so I can just, like, watch the 30-minute YouTube video of here's all the Easter eggs that you missed. (laughs) right. I dream I dream of a day when here at Stranded Panda we have the resources and time to like do that kind of stuff. I love those kinds of videos. I watch them all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. yeah I've seen it twice and I'm still like itching to see it again just so I can like because I feel like you can look anywhere on the screen and pick up something new. Like it's just it just begs to be rewatched and rewatched just like the first one. But this one even more so. Yeah, Absolutely. Okay, well, I think that's uh, everything we have to say at this point. I'm sure the conversation will continue to go. I encourage everyone to be like Jonathan. If you've seen this movie and you are riding that high like we are, send us some feedback. You can do that at animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com or uh, any of our social medias. Tell them about those, Andrew. Yeah, you can follow us on all of our social medias on Twitter at AnimationDelib1 and on Facebook and Instagram, AnimationDeliberation. Very cool. And let's do some Quick plugs before we get out of here. Zuhair, what do you have to let the people know about? I get to hop on Multiversal News for the first time this week, so I'm excited about that. Uh, We got 323 with Reed Murphy. I'll be hopping back on that after a long hiatus, and then I will be with them at AwesomeCon in D.C. Um, June 16th at 6.30, we will be up on a panel uh, playing a nerdy family feud with the audience, so please come make our lives difficult on stage. Uh, Can't wait to meet some of the listeners and just have a good time. And Matthew Carroll, thank you so much for being here. Glad we could do this crossover. What would you like to let the people know about? Dude, thanks for having me. Uh, you guys should all hit subscribe if you came over here because you heard our 
uh, MCU cast episode about that we were doing this one, make sure to subscribe to Animation Deliberation first off because they're awesome. And you get, yes, yeah, seriously, y'all do a great job. And like, you keep the energy high and you're, you're knowledgeable and funny and thoughtful. And I really appreciate y'all show. Um, be on the network. But for uh, as for me, yeah, uh, Zoom mentioned Multiverse News is the new, newest show we've got going on. Very excited about that. And uh, the old, the old, the old stalwart uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast is still rolling. So uh, ch- jump over there. We're getting ready to cover uh, Secret Invasion in just a, like ten days. It comes out or something like that. Very oh exciting. Is that yeah. soon? Yep. Very exciting. And Andrew, you have an upcoming appearance on a sibling show, don't you? Yes, I do. The month of June is just busier than I can remember. The, like, the number of movies and TV shows is insane, but mm-hmm. unfortunately I have to betray and fall on my own dagger that I love, uh, jumping <laughs> over to the Source Pages podcast to talk about my favorite uh, sets of comics, DC. We know them, we love them. Uh, I'm going to be talking about the Flashpoint Paradox comics if you want to read along with them or just hear our thoughts about those comics going into the movie. We're going to be talking about that next week going into uh, The Flash. So that'll be an exciting time. That's awesome. As for me, uh, I encourage you, please go back and listen to that instant reaction that I did with John Irons from Captain Game Show. He is a father, so he was able to provide a little bit of a unique perspective taking his kids to go see the film as well some great stuff to pick up on there and then uh yeah i've been appearing on a lot of different podcasts but uh, i want to plug bingers assemble we've got two concurrent coverages going on right now we are cut co- we just covered the batman 89 with michael keaton directed by tim burton and batman returns in preparation for the flash and then we were also doing the entire uh saga of the Mission Impossible movies in preparation for Dead Reckoning Part 1. So great time to be a fan of all this stuff and check it all out. I really appreciate you listening and keep tuning in. That's T-O-O-N-I-N. And as always, stay wound. Until the next Spider-Verse, muscle muscle. Thank you for listening to the Animation Deliberation Podcast, a proud member of the Stranded Panda Network. If you would like to contact us, you can email animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at animationdelib1. For this and other great shows, you can visit strandedpanda.com or join the great community that is the Stranded Panda Chat Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash svchat. Tune in next time, and remember, stay whelmed. <laughs>